are listening to Women and Music by Goldhand Girls. And we are your hosts, Alexa Ace and Michaela Chandler. Who the f*** is Thunder Jackson? A question many have found themselves asking, including TJ himself. Thunder Jackson is a glitter-wearing, boundary-breaking lyricist with a bold persona and promising future. With millions of streams on YouTube and Spotify, Thunder Jackson is also from our home state of Oklahoma. Women and Music will only bring an artist on that we believe in. Female, male, non-binary, and those in between. Right now, it's Thunder Jackson's time to shine. We believe in him, and we hope you will too. Be yourself, wear glitter, play to a sold-out empty show with your best friends, and produce things that you are proud of and believe in. This week, we've got Thunder Jackson. Thunder, Thunder Jackson. Thunder Jackson. Hey. Hello. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Who the heck and Bob are you? <laughs> That's Michaela for you. <laughs> uh, say that say that again. <laughs> Who the heck and Bob are you? What what's a heck and Bob? It's, it's is it an Oklahoma thing? It's a Michaela I, I, thing. We're Oklahomies, so I feel like it's Ma- it's casual. Oh, Maybe I've been maybe I've been in LA too long. I've lost all the Oklahoma You're too lingo. Cool for us. Let me We're culture you, Bob. <laughs> Let me culture you. <laughs> I know. I haven't been back in a while. I haven't been back in a couple, four or five months. So I need to. I need to get back. My mom probably. My mom probably needs a hug. Oh, you know? for sure, Mama. We love our mom. Hey, let's yeah. let's start there. Tell us um. Tell us about your upbringing. Tell us about your life. Like, where the fuck do you come from? Um. I was born in Edmond, Oklahoma, believe it or not, and I moved to Piedmont when I was in sixth grade, but I mean, growing up, kind of how I got into music and everything is my dad, obviously was in a country band, but then he was an Elvis impersonator growing up. What? Shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for sure. So, yeah, like, I mean, he, he played the Oklahoma State Fair wow. a couple times. And uh, I just remember being like a little kid and my dad would let me like stand backstage and I would hold like, you know, Elvis always had scarves and he had people come out and, he'd, you know, wipe his sweat with these like multiple, like, you know, multiple red, blue, yellow scarves. So I would always have him backstage and my dad would like, all right, we're going to bring my son up and you know, like bring him a scarf. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like the fucking coolest <laughs> thing ever. Um, and I and like this is kind of how I like fell in love with like performing. I was like, I want to be my dad because like he would put on my mom would would make the Elvis jumpsuit for him. She made him a blue one and a white one. Custom belt. My dad had all the rings, the sideburns, the glasses, the slick back hair. And I was like, that is just the fucking coolest thing ever. And he just like let it, like, I mean, he didn't hold anything back when he was doing the Elvis on stage. And I thought that was so cool. Did your dad ever have like that conversation with you? Like, son, I impersonate Elvis. Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, like, you talk to my dad now, and he's, like, a bit embarrassed about it. He's just like, well, yeah, like, you know, I'm a musician first. So, like, the Elvis thing was fun. But I was like, dude, like, you were fucking hell of a no. Like, sounds just like Elvis. Insane. Yeah. You got to know uh, your shit to be an Elvis impersonator. You got to know your shit. It was just funny. Like, I even remember, like, driving to wherever he was doing it. He would have, like, a CD of, like, the karaoke versions that he would just fully perform, like, in the car on the way to the venue. <laughs> Like, he got in character, like, and I think that's kind of where I get, like, the Thunder Jackson-ness of, like, having a character, as I saw that at a young age, my dad doing it with Elvis. Um, 
where it was just so I, I saw how much fun he was having where he could just break the norm of uh of being mark yeager and then he could go and be and go be elvis and go be a character i think that's I think it's really fun it makes makes music really fun it's like you shed that identity and you're like nope recreating myself like i'm this totally. person now like do not talk to me i'm elvis i'm thunder jackson totally. like no sir totally but yeah i mean that's that's kind of where it all started and then my dad just like really took the initiative to like culture me and in, in, in all sorts of genre specifically like older music because that's just like even still like where i'm get most of my influence from and I remember, like, the first record, first vinyl he gave me was a, a Leon Russell vinyl and a Prince record. So I had, like, a really country, like, Tulsa guy who's just, like, this, like, you know, flamboyant old man. And then I had Prince. And my dad was, like, Prince was, like, my dad's favorite artist as a kid. So I just, like, fell in love. And I remember the first time I heard the beautiful ones, um, Prince, and he was, like, screaming at the end. And I was, like, that is a fucking song. That is, like, emotion. I was, like, 13, 14. Um, so that kind of like carved away with how I like wanted to do music. I was just like, I want to just shout and scream and cry for help, for love, for passion. And, uh, just kind of, kind of where it all started. I give it all up to thank you, Mark Yeager. So at what point did you start actually making music or writing music even? Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote like an EP when I was like 15. Um, it's fucking terrible, but, uh, I at least got in a studio and just like learned how to just kind of play. But my dad got me a license to play in Oklahoma in bars when I was like 15. So I was like in these like shitty, shitty bars in Oklahoma. Um, I love the shitty ones. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was this one called the Dugout. And uh, every Wednesday, I played there from when I was 15 till I moved to LA when I was 18. So mm. what, what uh, was your vision like then? My vision then was way different than how it is now. I was really like wanted to be a like sad folk Damien Rice type mm. singer forever. Um, just because like, that's just like the music I was really into that. And I loved like this, the stories of like love and heartbreak. Cause I wanted to have that. I just didn't have it yet. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so that was like kind of, even when I moved to LA um, and I did street performing for about two years in LA, I was doing like a, like a, a more folky kind of sound than, I think I really just started to find like who I was. And I always say I didn't go to college. I went to the school of life because I moved to LA. It's so young. So important um, though. Yeah, totally. You can totally. experience it's so much more out of life than you can college and not to diss on college by any means because Alexa and I are both college graduates, but no, yeah. you experience so much more by like just putting yourself out there and just like throwing yourself into the fire. than I feel yeah. like you can sure. learning, learning your trade. Like learning totally. what you're totally fucking passionate about and learning every angle of it. Is that why you moved to LA for music? Yeah. I mean, I, there's the only reason I moved there. I just like turned to my parents and I was like, I have to go play music. I don't know. Nobody's going to fucking know who I am, but I'm going to get a guitar and a wagon and I'm going to go walk down to the third street promenade and I'm just going to play. And I, um, and my parents were like, all right, fucking go do it. So after my 18th birthday, my dad bought me a flight and I had about 300 bucks. And when I got there, I knew one guy. We went to a sushi restaurant and we're drinking sake or whatever with my fake ID. And uh, this older Hungarian man was like, hey, where are you guys sleeping tonight? And I was like, dude, I just got here. I got like no money. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's like, why don't you just come sleep in my sailboat for a bit? 
Your sailboat? Like, Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah his <laughs> sailboat. So we went and crashed on this, like, really, like, this Hungarian kickboxer, like, really scary dude named Victor. I still the fucking sweet man, but... Um, so yeah, we did that, and then I just hustled and hustled and on the streets to try to like you know try to get an apartment, and then eventually Victor let us move into his apartment in Marina del Rey um, for pretty cheap, which was cool, and that's kind of how I like started to stay in LA. I guy was like, that was letting pay pay him in like fives and ones from the streets <laughs> for a while. Is that how you and, paid uh, rent? I sure did. Damn. Sure did. It's it, a hustle. I mean, definitely, like, there was times I was like, hey, Dad, I I need $200. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and shout out, too, I, to the parents I, that support their children going off and doing stuff like that. I believe in totally. that. Uh-huh. That's, that's cool. Totally. Because... I mean, my, I, I remember, like, calling my parents and being like, I hate this. Like, I want to go back home. Like, I can't do this anymore. My parents were like, nope. okay, think about this. Like, when you come back, do you think that you're going to gain anything? They're like, they're only going to gain if I just keep going and going and going. If I didn't have that, like, I probably would have probably given up. But all those phone calls from my parents, even my friends that were like, dude, you, you can't come back. You can't come back. So so you went to L.A. at 18. Did that yep. open any major doors for you? So, I mean, it took a couple of years for sure. Um, like, the, the street performing was a lot of fun, and, I, and it really kind of, like, taught me how to just – not give a fuck and play uh, i played seven days a week you know 10 a.m to 8 p.m wow and then um after that i moved to hollywood i i, I met a friend and he was like hey come live in my you know i have a, i'm getting a house and you can build a bed outside i was like okay that sounds I, intriguing sounds crazy <laughs> i'm down he's like but we have a hot tub in the middle of our house so mm-hmm. just come do it and i was like yeah fuck it i don't care where i yeah. see yeah <laughs> i got a hot uh, tub i get yeah, the ladies so, and it was definitely like a different kind of lifestyle from what I was living. But so we did that. And I kind of just fell into like a, a Hollywood scene, I guess, where I was living right by the Hollywood Bowl and um, just going out every night. That was like that was kind of my my goal was just like every night I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to as many people as I can and like l- try to learn enough about everything that I can carry a conversation about anything, but not. Not being an alcoholic, but just loving the nightlife and staying out really late and going to this place called the Overpass until 6 a.m., four nights a week. And that kind of leads to where the next door sort of opened, where I met my producer now, Pete, who is in a band called Until the Ribbon Breaks. I was out in Hollywood with a friend of mine, uh, Mitchie Collins. He was like, hey, uh, my buddy just got off tour and he wants to go have a crazy night in L.A. Let's go. I was like, "Okay." so we're hopping this Uber. And we picked Pete up. We started shooting the shit for a bit. And then I started singing to the radio, like, just as I normally do. And Pete was like, hold up, dude. Sing that again? He's like, Uber driver, turn that radio off. He's like, sing that a cappella for me. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I was like, okay. You're like, okay, hold like, on, right. say less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, here we go, dude. This is a little embarrassing. but So I did it, and it was a Jeff Buckley song, Lover, You Should Have Come Over, one of my favorite songs. He goes, you got to come to my studio tomorrow. I'm making a, I'm making my second record, and I, I would love for you to sing some harmonies and some backups on this, on this song that I've been making. I'm like, okay. So I go over there, and we tracked the song that's on his second record. It's called Count the Lightning. And uh, so yeah, then he kind of took me under his wing for the next till you know, still to this day. So, still my brother and my best friend. Um, 
Yeah, I worked on his second record. I sang. I have a, a couple couple vocals on the second to the remix album. I played a few shows with them, and then uh, and then we decided to do the Thunder Jackson together. Because um, uh, I was I was like I'm ready to make a record on my own. How the heck and Bob did <laughs> there we go that, Beck and Bob did that even come to fruition like. How, dude, I don't who know. Who the fuck just, is Thunder Jackson? Yeah, who the yeah. fuck is Thunder Jackson? I say that all the time. <laughs> I fucking love it. Uh, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, Pete always, he always says this to me. He's like, dude, you are like, you're the most lucky dude I've ever met. How do you feel about luck? I think luck is bullshit, but uh, I think you, you put yourself in the situations. But, you know, luck, luck is like, uh, people like to, like to have the luck. It's something know, to believe it, but in, but I, I, for sure. I believe you create your own luck. You create your own totally. opportunities. It's an easy way out to say that someone's lucky a lot. Totally. I used to take that as, I used to take it as an offense because I'm like, I'm not fucking lucky. I work for this. Yeah. Like, I, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. So I love that you just don't, said that. Don't discredit that. <laughs> if I didn't go out that night to have conversations, I could have just stayed at home. I would have never met him. I would have never met him, but because of that, that was just the way that I was doing my life, it brought it together. It's been a beautiful relationship, me and him. We did everything on Thunder Jackson 50-50, which is just fucking awesome. And, you know, the, the Thunder Jackson thing, it was just a fun way for both of us to sort of have a different character to write from. So it's like a lot of it is, is my personal journey and things that are happening in life. But there were those times where I was like, dude, I just don't want to fucking write about, like, myself hundred percent today. Right. I want to know what Thunder Jackson would do in this situation. We want to know how Thunder Jackson came to be, especially especially Guilty Party, because the first time I ever met you, you know, that was your hit. Like yeah. that's the thing. And you know, just kind of being real here too, like I feel like I don't really know you as Kyle. And I don't know if that's something that we should address or yeah. not. Like I don't really I don't really know you as Kyle. I know you as Thunder Jackson because you so you so um humbly portray thunder jackson as yeah. you and that's totally fucking cool because i think that that's something like madonna did too like she became yeah. just madonna no last name like i am well yeah you just start they just start to become like as much as you try to separate it it just inevitably becomes who you are mm. you know but yeah i mean like back to the guilty party thing i was out at this bar called good times at davy wayne's and i took probably uh a, a little about a gram too much of mushrooms that night <laughs> and um said some really stupid things to a uh a friend of mine's friend just said that i always loved her which was not true it was just <laughs> we were just having such a great night and i was just like i think i've always loved you and it just like <laughs> and then i woke up i woke up the next day and like i like were all these text messages they're like you know it was like I, they all hate like they were all like hating me because i you know was with another of their friends before that and uh i was like what the fuck did i just say um this is not good so that's where the they all hate me now and we have mutual friends line comes about a guilty party mm. so i came in the studio and i'm telling pete this story and he was like okay we're gonna run with this we're gonna we're gonna write this story from a perspective of not you you have the you have the baseline and then we're just going to go full Thunder Jackson with it. Wow. And, uh, and it just like, that was like the first song that I think we made together. That was like, this is what Thunder Jackson's about. That sort of just like skyrocketed, like the vision of Thunder Jackson and how we can fully like make this a, 
like a character album, like a David Bowie, like, you know, he write every album. He's like a chameleon. You can like write from these perspectives. And in, in your, um, in your raw, most authentic version of Thunder Jackson, can you tell us who that is? And, and maybe in a way that you never have before, like who the fuck yeah. is Thunder Jackson? Like what, where did the word thunder come from? Where did the word Jackson come from? Like, we want to know what when you close yeah. when you close your eyes at night who who is thunder jackson i think it took me a long time to realize that and i think the thing that humans and people struggle with the most is identity you know you're constantly trying to find identity to make you feel whole and i don't think you ever will fully ever find the true identity but you will you'll you'll find ones that feel right in the time like thunder jackson to me is uh exit like my exoskeleton can leave and i can be whoever i want to be it was like being a kid from Oklahoma who wanted to play dress up and paint his nails and wear glitter and do all these things. It just wasn't possible. And I always felt like I had to fit in this mold, you know, growing up. I had to be like kind of kind of safe with how I dressed and safe with how I did things. And then as soon as like Thunder Jackson came about in my head, I just felt like it was just like a light clicked in my head. And I was like, I can be whoever the fuck I want to be. I don't care what anybody says about it. I'm going to go out every single night with glitter and a full suit and sparkle shoes because I can do that. Since, so. you, since you have that like second identity, that like second place to call like you an extension of yourself. Do you ever feel like you're fighting like imposter syndrome? Like you're like, who am I really? Like, am I Thunder Jackson? Am I Kyle? Like, all the time. Who the heck am all, I? All the time. All the time. And I think that's, it's not a bad thing to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's bad to, be questioning if what you're doing is right because it's it's human nature you know you're not always gonna you're not always gonna be like yeah yeah yeah. fucking i'm on it and i feel like you like i've never said this before (laughs) but well you gotta say it now (laughs) (laughs) oh god my brain um but i made up my last name so there's that um my (laughs) like my last (laughs) name i made it up alexa ace it's my real last name legal last name but people call me ace now and it's kind of like this. I love not, it. not people. Michaela does. <laughs> Michaela calls her ace. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it kind of like becomes this bigger version of myself that I think that is really important for us to kind of dive deep in, like you have been, because it is the it's kind of for me, like I said earlier, it's kind of like when you close your eyes, you see this version of yourself that reaches the top. Um mm-hmm. and for me, yeah. for me, the top is connecting. The top is saying, yo, I have this vision in my head. I have this this uh, vision of glitter. <laughs> I have this, this <laughs> vision of acceptance and of inclusivity and of music. We kind of don't really have that many icons in our generation. I think that yeah. the icon has, it's looked at as, oh, you, you think you're an icon or you really want to get to the top? Totally. Well, it's, it's like an, it's, people treat it as like an ego thing. Mm. You know, which is not true. Yeah. A lot of the time. It's not. Um, yeah, I think the world is missing like a bit of like just the shinings. <laughs> They're missing the Elvises, but maybe that's never going to happen because we're just in a different world. You know, we look back, that was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. And kind of since the 2000s, there hasn't really been like the, oh, I guess like Beyonce. Take that back. Fuck. It's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. Cause I almost, I'm kind of sitting here and being real. Like I almost disagree. I have an eight year old sister mm-hmm. and she looks at, 
Beyonce or she looks at uh, Katy Perry or Lady Gaga as icons. Now, I don't think that's ever going to go away if an artist believes in taking themselves all the way to the top. Yeah. And the top does not have to be <laughs> selling out. And, uh, and no, I talk about all. this a lot with artists because the top does not have to be the ultimate 360 deal. It doesn't have to be, you know, selling out arenas, which I hope that absolutely you fucking do. And I hope that every artist whose dream that is, yeah. that they get to do that. But I think an icon is being someone that is so misunderstood. And I kind of hear that in your lyricism, too. Like you're it's like it's almost being abnormal, but it's so normal to you in your head because you have a vision of who you are meant to become. Yeah. And you're going to become that yeah. person day in and day out. Totally. So when Thunder Jackson is going in for a signing or an interview, how do you dress? How do you portray yourself? How do you speak? I think that it's it's a thing that I've, I've kind of changed uh, over time, but I've just kind of taken those approaches and like interviews and people is I kind of don't take it so serious and strip the boundaries of like having it. And it becomes this really beautiful thing where it's like, I want to speak to this guy and give him attention. You know, I think just stripping, stripping the ego and just being like exactly who I, who, who I am, which is this like. I don't take things way too serious, but I love just being completely honest and completely like laying it on the table from the beginning, but never giving it all away at the same time. Mm. Having like this sort of cynical way of, of going about it. I remember like the early stages, we had a enemy did an interview with us and they asked me this like question, like, well, you know, what do you see for the future? And I always thought, like, what would you do if you weren't doing music? I was like, well, you know, I always thought I'd be an astronaut, but Currently, I'm just learning how to craft like the perfect white Russian, you know, like like a funny, very like personal, like something that I actually do want to do. But it's also like, is he like fucking with me or is he being that serious? I think that's just the way I like to go about life and the way I like to go about interviews is just like not being completely serious, but also being exactly what's inside. And it's it's it makes me feel like that I leave a room and I don't ever question anything that I'm saying. So I just lay it all out there, and like you know. Being an artist, you have so many people in your ear, so many people in your DMs, like telling you, oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Act like this. Sing like that. And like, yeah. what did, how do you stand up for yourself as an artist? Like with so many people in your camp, what does that look like for you? How do you stand up for yourself as an artist? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because uh, this, uh, well, you know, when you have 20 people telling you one thing and you're saying the opposite, you, mm. you, you want to, you almost feel like you want to listen to them because yeah. You're, you're one guy out of 20, but, uh, and it's taken me a long time to kind of figure that out. But, and once I just started doing it, all those other 20 people were just always on my team. Cause they were just waiting for you to be like, this is what I want. And I'm going to stand by it. Cause this is what I want to do. I think just being, it just comes back to authenticity at the end of the day. If everybody around you feels like what you're saying is authentic at all times, they're going to come to your corner. But they always feel like you're being defensive and fighting them, then it's never going to work out. Mm. If they don't feel like it's an authentic thought or an authentic stand up for yourself, I think that's the only way that I've been able to fully um, feel like I'm standing up for myself because I know I'm being authentic. And then when I know that other people feel that, it's it's been a fucking game changer um, for management, for producers, for my friends. Uh, and the people that stick when you're doing that, it's, it becomes really, really beautiful. Damn. I feel like it's like, I mean, from a woman's perspective, it's, 
personally, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more difficult because I feel like if I were yeah. in a room of twenty people saying, uh-huh, uh, and and I have a whole bunch of eyes looking at me, and they're like, uh, but you should go this route with what you're doing, or yeah. um, why don't you add this to your song? And it's like, but I really like what I'm doing. I like, I, yeah. I don't really want it. I don't really want to change that. Do you think that personally that standing up for yourself looks different in terms of gender? For sure. 100%. And it's, it's, it's sad to say that it really is, but, uh, I just come from a different, you know, I, I see that. So I have four, I have three sisters and my mom was really, uh, raised us a lot as a kid. Uh, cause my dad was traveling quite a bit. Um, and I just, I, I hate to say that, but I think it's, um, I think it's a thing that un- unfortunately has just been like engraved from time, but like, you know, Alexa, I think of somebody like you, I speak about, we met like one time, I speak about very often, where I'm like, this girl is so fucking badass. She just like, on Instagram, she just says whatever the fuck, she just does whatever the fuck, she just like, she's like a fuck, she's like a fucking rock star out there all the time. Um, And I think it's going to be, you know, especially you doing this podcast, a lot of women are going to see that and find that, that voice and the authenticity that you radiate. Thank you. And Michaela, I'm sure it's, once I get to know you, I'm sure it's the same way if you're, if you're friends with Alexa. Appreciate that. Um, And I think that's, that's just, that's just giving you compliments. I love doing that. Thank you. Thank you. you. And and also like coming from a male musician, I don't feel like just thank you because women don't on the other end, you know, they don't, they don't hear that, especially as like a, a host or as an interviewer. I don't, personally feel like women get a lot of credit so that that means a lot and like that's also yeah. kind of like why not why we wanted to bring you on the podcast because and I just want to like first and foremost say we believe in Thunder Jackson we, yes. we believe <laughs> in you and that's why Thank you're you. the Thank first you. male artist on women and music because I know. you represent I know. you don't just represent men you don't just represent women you don't fucking you only represent your human human beings yeah you you represent there's not one category you fit in and i think that's kind of what um attracted attracted us to your music and and even the first time i saw you perform it was like you were wearing glitter and i was like what the fuck Uh, that's not a thing unless (laughs) unless you're in london or unless you're in new york city and you see someone you see people who who aspire to be um an icon and i don't want to you know put words in your mouth but um thank you for that and do you ever do you ever feel like i don't know do you ever feel like you know, when you're putting on glitter or where, when you're wearing like a, a massive fucking thunderbolt on, on your back, like, do you ever feel like gender comes in the way or do you ever get tripped up by, by putting glitter on your face or do you ever feel like, Oh ne- my God, never, never, never. And I really don't. And like, we were just in Reno with our buddy and you know, we're, we're this, this town is not really like that either. And before we're going out, we're going out to like a, like a patio, like having a cocktail on a patio. And I'm in my full blue suit glitter. And, and my buddy Miles is like, you're really going for it. I fucking love it. I just, that's just like, I feel more comfortable when I'm like that. And there's like, no, I just don't really care if anybody you know, says, says anything about it. Cause I feel good. I feel more confident when I'm like that than when I'm walking around w- without it. Um, and I just think that's a, another thing that's been, you know, like the glitter and I wear like sequence jackets and I'll wear lipstick in a video. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It just, and it's been, especially where we're from in Oklahoma, where it's like, 
I remember trying to do that, like, and like having sisters, they would like straighten my hair and put me in their Hollister jeans. And like, I like loved it. I thought I was like so fucking cool, like wearing their clothes. <laughs> and I just, um, I remember growing up and I don't know if this is for everyone, but I just remember growing up and seeing there was like this t-shirt that went around forever and it was like, hot guys wear pink. Yeah, yes. like, fuck that. Any guy yeah. can wear pink. Like, are, are you kidding? Yeah, Excuse I hated me? that fucking shirt. Let me speak to your manager. Karen is about to come <laughs> out because Karen, no, <laughs> sir. <sighs> How does that shirt is so fucking bad? Yeah. I remember. I do remember. I think I, had, I honestly, I think I had the shirt. I'm no! pretty sure I did. Hey, I don't. I just. I remember it was going though, around okay? in fifth grade. Yeah. I think I had it. I think I don't think I wore it very often, but. My thing was, I wore a double-popped pink polo about every day. You popped it? Double pop. He's popping his collar. <laughs> double pop. So two different shades of pink. Like, Hollister. Yes. <laughs> that was my thing in, like, sixth grade. I thought it was, like, because, like, Kanye. I, thought, I think I saw Kanye do it. Yeah. When I was, like, young. And I was, like, oh, he was wearing two pink polos. Like, that was kind of cool. Is there anybody else that was, like, influential in, like, not necessarily Hollywood, but just, like, in celebrity world that style. was like, yeah that like influenced your style fashion icons totally like i mean as a young kid i kind of just went with what everybody else was wearing but the older i got um you know where what i'm wearing i mean i guess so more so what Tony jackson does is all stemming from like bowie and uh like mark boland of t-rex you know the venture of glam rock basically um i just loved like and like the punk, like you think about like the punk scene back in the day, like mm-hmm. the most like hardcore, like badass people were like the dressing in high heels and lipstick. Yeah. I just thought that I thought that shit was so fucking cool forever. Um, I just was never able to like feel like I could do it. Yeah. And that was back to what I was saying earlier. But yeah, like all those artists, like when I was fully able, like I was saying that when, when Thunder Jackson became Thunder Jackson, I was able to do my thing. I remember like just saving up money to go buy a sequence jacket because I was like, I finally can wear this out and feel feel like I could do it, you know? Yeah. And do you ever, and that's just kind of where it all stems from, yeah. Do you ever feel like you were like, have you ever been judged because of the way that you dress? Oh, always, still. Still, how do you? But I take. How do you navigate? But I love that? it. I love it. I just think that you know, if you're if you're judging me, there's got to be got to be something that you feel like isn't fully yourself either. Um, and nothing wrong with that. Just like if you're, there's just no reason to judge people for what they wear and what they do. And the people that do it, I just say, hey man, like, like, are you really wearing fucking glitter? Are you like, yeah. Why are you not wearing glitter? Do you want some? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you do, do you want some glitter? And like, we did, we, you know, we were, there were some people in Reno that we were hanging out with, and like Miles is like, these are like my friends. I've never seen them wear glitter, and they saw you do it, and they were like, will you put glitter on my face? Because wow. it's just like, because I just want, like, that's just being who you are, the people that see it. And if they feel like, oh, fuck, I want to do that. I love that shit. And I love, and I take, and I love to talk to the people that give me shit about it. I just want to understand why you feel like it's not cool. Because um, it probably stems from something deeper than they don't like what I'm wearing. So um, how does being a, a brother urge feminine protection? I, you know, it's like the thing is like a tough word for me because I, I, I feel like my sisters are like just so fucking badass. I'm, I, I love that. I'm, I'm not super protective over them. So I love, especially my little sisters, like my best friend, but they, they show, it's more so like they, they have shown me how to protect myself from how I like to be. You know, I think it's almost the opposite. Mm. 
I just think I was raised in just a, I just have a different view and mindset of, 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 of women being raised by four of them, basically. Well, my dad was gone a lot. What is, um, what is your advice to those that weren't raised in that mindset, that weren't raised to be open? Like, what, what words would you want? Oklahoma. Yeah, what words would you want to speak to them? Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's a little different. Yeah. Because there's all those people that, like, there's, like, a uh, societal way of doing it. Like, the, the guy does this and the woman does this. And that's just how, like, people are raised there, which is really fucking weird. Um, but the, the advice would just be, like, open your fucking mind. Like, there's nothing, like, there's, there's, no, there's no empowerment of any, of any sex, a male or female. Like, there's no, like, if anything, women, women are the ones that are changing the world. They are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We're doing it together. Everyone together. Yeah, we're doing I mean, it, it, it is a teamwork thing, but I think, you know, now more than ever, like, where it hasn't, the, the voices haven't been able to be so strong, and I can just see it more and more as cutting those fucking norms of, like, women should be this. Like, women can be whatever the fuck they want. That's right. They can. And, uh, Thank you. And, and, and men, men always feel like they're the ones that can do whatever the fuck they want. That's been the fucking problem. It's kind of both, uh, though. We both can. No, I mean, any fucking human. It doesn't matter what gender yeah, you are. Totally. You can be whoever fu- totally. the fuck you want to be. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Say that whatever the fuck you want to say. And I think that you're yeah. a great representation of that. And um, another reason why we really wanted to have you on today, too, is because we know that you're about to put out an album that you have spent yes. years, yes, yes, yes. years making. Years, right? How oh, many yeah. years? Three and a half. Three and a half years making this album. She's been a brewing. Yeah. It's been a brewing. I mean, like, you know, there were some songs that were made uh, in the last, like, seven months, six months. But the album started three and a half years ago. So you have a new song coming out um, in a couple of days, right? Yeah, Caroline comes out on Wednesday, um, which is my favorite song off the album. Uh, It's way different than, it's a ballad. So uh, not your typical Thunder Jackson, um, dancier, um, weirder song. Um, it's definitely my most vulnerable song and, uh, my most honest song without a doubt. Um, what is it about? Um, the song's called Caroline. So a lot of people probably think it's about a girl named Caroline, but, um, what I think it's about, it's just a a song about, um, presenting a, a reborn version of yourself, vulnerable and true, uh, you know, just standing on the line. Uh, you know, ready to start again. It's a song about like being reborn in relationships and um, stripping all the, the things that you thought you knew and, and presenting your new ideas and uh, seeing what life um, gives you when you do that. Uh, and it is a love song, more so uh, in a sense, but not. It's not singular. It's a circular love song. It's it's it's, it's a universal thing, um, not just about a person. Because I think that just puts it in a box at that point. You're writing it just about a girl or a guy. Um, and it was, it was really awesome. When we were shooting the music video, we pulled a bunch of the extras to the side. And Graham asked him, you know, what does Caroline mean to you? And not a single person said it means that it's about this person. They all had the idea that it was like this universal um, Caroline means this about relationships about love about the world and i was like this is exactly what i wanted this song to be and that's got to be so reaffirming that like what you're putting out is like being received the way that you want like oh 
It just makes your heart totally. so warm and like totally. I, I watched the BTS and I had chills. I had chills watching it, like listening to these people talk about what Caroline is. Them, I'm like, oh my god, they are they are taking exactly what I wanted this song to be. And that's like the goal as an artist, like totally, totally. You can have all these, you can have these wild ambitions and crazy ideas, but until someone, another human, like connects to it, means nothing. Yeah, totally. I mean, the album is now has nothing to do with me, you know. Right. It's so much bigger. The album, it's so much bigger. It has everything to do with uh, how people perceive it and connect to it. And it took me a long time to strip that because, like, I made it for myself at the beginning. Like my my story, my songs, my lyrics, my you know all of these things. And then now, the older I got, I think it's even why I like the album was so long ago, and I just learned so much since we started making it that I, it's not the album has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with other people. I'm giving it up to them, and the world can do as they please with it. So what is the vibe? What vibe do can we expect for the new album? Uh, I, I, the vibe is, is a roller coaster. There's not... It, nothing... Every, no, no song sounds like another song, which might turn people on or off. I don't really know yet. But it definitely goes through uh, waves of dance to ballad to dance to ballad because um, i think that's what life is life is about it's 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 ups and downs ups and downs um and that's kind of how the album is is ordered um it ends with a song a poem called lucky um and there's just some really some of some of my favorite lyrics and i can't believe that song was cut from the album we just added it um, a couple of weeks ago, and when I when I sang it today for the show, I just was thinking back on the lyric, and it's, I think it's kind of, like you know, it's a love song, but I also think about my producer Pete when I'm singing it, because it's, look at all these things we've made, look at how they shine, the dam become the angels now, now that you are mine, watch the way the light reflects and dances with the time, I don't need to wake up now, now that you are mine, and I think it's like this, we, I think we wrote it about making music together, <laughs> you know? And that's the, and it was like a love poem. And then now when I was thinking about it, I was like, no, it has, it has to do with like what, what we've made together um, in the art world. Um, so it's, that, that ends the album. And I was like, that is the perfect way to fucking end the album. The chef's kiss. Uh, the chef's kiss. And then I, and then I have a, I have my, I have my dad on a track, oh. um, which is amazing. It's called the lovesick doctor. And he does this. Uh, one of my favorite movies is apocalypse now. Um, and Dennis Hopper comes in at the end. He's a photographer on the island. He's like, hey, man, like, you can't do this, man. He's like, it's really like acid, trippy, hippie dude. So I have my dad put on a Dennis Hopper voice and he <laughs> fucking smashed it. He's like, me and Thunder Jackson, man. You know, it's so, so incredible. And then my mom is the voice on Guilty Party, the Thunder Jackson. Thunder, that's my mom. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had no that's, idea. Yeah, that's my mom. That is so and, uh, fucking catchy. We yeah. we are singing it all the time. We're like, yeah, we're like she loves that. She loves. I'm like, mom, you know how many people sing your your voice, and she just like she just loves that shit, man. It's so amazing. <laughs> and um, and then there's a song on there about my parents. It's called SOS, um, which is another one like Caroline that is just like one of the truest. Um, I cry every time I play it. Pretty much, I can't hold it back. It's just. Um, and I always lied to them when they first listened to it. They they knew it was about them, and they were like, "This is about us." I was like, "No, what are you talking about?" <laughs> Never. No, because I wanted them to just like 
you know, listen to the, I gave it to him early and I wanted him just to hear it on the album, but yeah. So that song, um, SOS. And then the last song is a funny song. Um, we were trying to get a 10th song or 11th song. Um, and Pete had a song that he wrote with an artist called Ash. Oh my God. We love uh, her. So love yeah, Ash. Ash is a co she's a, she's a co-writer on this track. It's called the, um, protection. And we were chasing this song for like two and a half weeks, trying to make like these like weird, obscure songs. And it was like five in the morning. I probably slept seven hours in two weeks. I was, and I had a fucking, I just broke up with my girlfriend for years. Um, and I was just like in a really weird state. And I just like started breaking down. And Pete was just like, dude, maybe we just like turn the record in as it is. Like, we don't need to have another song. We're chasing it for no reason. Like, let's just be done with the record. Like, is what it is and he plays me this song that was unfinished with ash and i was like and i just bawled my eyes out in front of oh. Pete at like 5 5 a.m and he goes stop go into the suit go into the recording studio and we're gonna write the bridge and you're gonna sing this song i was like okay so i go in there and we tracked it in like an hour and a half and we the song was on the record the next day um just because I was in that, and the and the the vocal is like a way different vocal because I think I was just so, like, vulnerable. I was bawling. I was bawling while singing. I was still. I was just so distraught, and you can just kind of hear it in that song. I can't um, wait to hear it right and, now. Yeah, and then we just have like dance songs on it too, which I think is just so. It's like the ebbs and flow of life is yeah. the album, basically. It sounds like a celebration uh, of exactly what life is, which is totally un unpredictable. And yeah, it, and you gotta exactly. keep going. Exactly, like the like, that's exactly it. The album, there's nothing you wouldn't expect anything on the next song. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Even when I listen, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did we really make this song? <laughs> so, what, what's your favorite song on the album? Ooh, "Lovesick Doctor," the one with my dad. The one with my dad. There's just a lyric on there. It's 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 um. The only man I've ever loved, the only man I've ever loved that way. And I think coming from a male, saying that in a song is um, just so powerful. And I, when I sing it live, I just shout at the top of my lungs that uh, the lovesick doctor is the only man I've ever loved, the only man I've ever loved. And is your dad the uh, lovesick doctor? Uh, essentially, <laughs> you know, essentially, you can, you can say that. I mean, the song has a couple different meanings. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not an out, you know, I'm not saying anybody should, should take drugs, but it's, you know, LSD lovesick doctor. Um, and it was just kind of like falling in love when I was under the influence of a psychedelic. Um, and then it was like a note to my dad and it was just a note to like being, I am in love. There's many, many men that I've fallen in love with in a non sexual way. And it's a completely that I do absolutely love them. And I just don't think that's said enough. Yeah. Completely um, agree. Not said. Yeah. Enough. It's not. It's not said. It's not said enough to, for men to respect men. I feel like that's there's like a weird, yeah. like, like weird. Um, there's just something weird about it. It's like oh, if you if you love and respect a man, you're fucking gay or whatever. That's yeah, exactly. You, can, exactly. you can love. You can love and respect someone so much and have so much admiration for them, and not have I that like sexual attraction, but be like, holy no, fuck, I'm, I'm so surrounded by their energy. I, I, I kiss, I kiss my best friend Graham on the lips probably once a week. <laughs> yes, we love <laughs> we're to looking hear back, it. We're looking back at some film photos from the last like six months because I have like a little room in his art studio and 
we'll have some occasional, uh, you know, drunk nights. There's always one of <laughs> me and him locking lips, and everybody's like, "Yep, yeah, that's that's mm. that's Thunder and Graham just going at it." It's rock and roll, baby. <laughs> oh, it's fucking awesome. I it's love awesome. I love that so fucking much because it's so normalized for girls like on a drunk night to kiss and be like, totally. "Oh, it's yeah. So- yeah." Like, look at those girls making out in the corner. Right. Yeah, they're fucked up. You but- fucking kiss your yeah. best friend. You do it. You yeah, show I'll him kiss, that you I'll love k- him. I'll kiss my best friend. No. Not even think twice. Let's fucking break those standards. <laughs> thank, thank you, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, of course. So, you are kind of you're on tour, or tell us about yeah, what. I mean, tell us about what you're doing right now. It's not, you know, a tour is it's a it's a the joke mm. in a sense because we're not playing to anybody. Um, but I just wanted to go out and perform in random places in the middle of nowhere. Um, so we called it a tour because, like, you know, the way we're filming it, I am doing the, the album and performing it, but there's nobody around. And we're just like, we bought a generator and we're setting it up in, like, random places. So we're in Reno. We're doing Salt Lake City tomorrow morning. And then we'll be in Denver. Um, and then we'll be in Moab and Vegas. Um, we're calling it the No Show Road Show. And we made, like, funny little shirts about it. And then... As we booked it, a friend of ours put together the first socially distanced live show in Denver. Oh. Um, and he asked me if I would be able to play. I was like, yeah, if we can follow all the guidelines and not, you know, for all the all the COVID reasons. And, yeah, they're all like six feet apart. You can only have six feet on a table. And we he sold it out in like four hours. And so we're actually get I'm actually getting to play a show, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, wow. Separate Congrats. from what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a while. So what's your gold moment? What's what's the height of your career or your life or something where you really recognize your future? I know the I know the exact moment. Let's hear it. And it was it was again, Graham has been talked about a lot. It was his birthday three years ago. And we rented this like crazy house out in Joshua Tree with like fifteen to twenty of like our best friends, right? And this was before like Thunder Jackson, like the I, I, like Guilty Party, like wasn't even out that long, you know. And and then the album wasn't out. People had never heard me sing really. Like I was just kind of like just making a record and being really humble and not really talking about it much. Had Guilty Party out, and we were standing under this gazebo with all twenty people, and they're playing Guilty Party, and every single one of them were shouting all my lyrics at the top of their lungs, and I didn't even know they knew the fucking song. Wow. And I just stood there and I was like, just, just distraught with tears, just being like, this is like my 20 best friends are just singing my lyrics at the top of their lungs. And it just like, it just made me know that I was doing the exact thing. And it was just like, it was my moment that I was like, I am, I have to keep going. This is fucking awesome. And then we went back inside and we all sat around. There was a grand piano in this house. And I sat and I played them Caroline, which is a song coming out on a Wednesday. And they were everybody was was hugging and, and in tears and it was just like one of the like most magical hours like from guilty party outside to walking inside and doing this These people have never heard me sing really besides hearing guilty party and it was just like it was like matt like i still talk about it you know, even when i see those people out they still talk about that night it was just like the moment that i felt like i'm surrounded by the right people and i'm doing the right thing and that and, and that was it Absolutely. that was the moment for me if you ever, listeners, listen up. If you ever need some inspiration, 
Go to Thunder Jackson's Instagram and you will be transformed. Yeah. You will giggle. You will. Your, your visuals, your visuals get, get me. I, I mean, I, speaking of parents, I send them to my mom. <laughs> I, I, send, I send your visuals, like, I send your visuals everywhere. Like, anytime I see you post, like, a teaser or something, because I feel like yeah. a big part of your music is that, like, intrinsic visual representation of yeah. something so much greater than who we all are and it's that like it's almost like in a lot of ways it's like the next life it's like holy fuck like together we can create together we can create uh we can create glitter we can create yeah. <laughs> you know together we can make glitter i yeah. fucking love that that's amazing yeah that's amazing thanks for listening to another episode of women in music we are blown away by the support we've received from our listeners and hope the ambition from Thunder Jackson radiates into your personal life. Break the stereotypes and do what makes you happy. Songs we're listening to right now by Thunder Jackson. Number one is Institution. Find Yourself. Guilty Party. Led Astray. And Caroline, which came out yesterday. Be on the lookout for his new album dropping next month. October 1st. XOXO, your Gold Hand Girls. Bye.